Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may also make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. Our next reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below 
blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let us stand in honor of the reading of the gospel. From John chapter 14, beginning with verse 23. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In many Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we get into this message on this day of Pentecost, there's a thought that I would like for you to keep in mind, and it is this. The miracle of Pentecost is a miracle worth seeing Again, and I'd like you to repeat that after me. So, so repeat after me, the miracle of Pentecost, miracle of Pentecost. Is, a is a miracle worth seeing again. All right, let's see if we can say that all together. The miracle of Pentecost is a miracle worth seeing again. And this is where, before we get into the miracle of Pentecost, we need to understand how the stage was set in order for it to happen. And to help us do that, I, I want to draw upon the observance of the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion this past week, what led up to the end of World War II. It is worth our recalling, especially on this Pentecost, because of the circumstances that led up to World War II had its roots back in World War I. One history book makes this significant, shall I say, understatement. It says, the stage was set for major conflict. In a 1914 political cartoon, if you would, there it is. This is, this is a political cartoon from 1914, all right, leading up to World War I, just the turmoil that was in place in the world back then. There were so many secret pacts and agreements and things behind the scenes among the different nations that all it took was for even just one individual 
to behave badly and all of a sudden the whole world would be brought in to conflict. And, and that indeed is what happened in World War I. And because those conflicts weren't totally resolved during world, as the result of World War I, that's what then set the stage for the major conflict of World War II. And likewise, the stage for the miracle of Pentecost was set hundreds of years before with the incident known to us as the Tower of Babel. The flood had taken place just prior to the incident of the Tower of Babel. And when God had made that promise, he had even marked it with a rainbow in the sky when God said, never again will I cut off, the will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And now we come to the Tower of Babel, just two chapters later. I mean, the people of the earth were still in the process of repopulating the earth following the flood. And once again, as sinful human beings are prone to do, sin was on the rise. Forgive the pun. All right, never mind. It'll come to you later. And Scripture tells us this in Genesis 11. The whole world had one language and a common speech. Now, if you've ever been in a situation with someone where language was a barrier, you know how frustrating that can get. I remember on my first mission away trip down to, to Panama, we, we were making and mixing concrete and, and the youth there in Panama were responsible for dispensing the, the sand and the stones and the mix and everything. Nate, you were there with me. And so I had charge of the wheelbarrow to go up and I was told we need some aggregate, we need some rocks. I don't know any Spanish. And so I rolled the wheelbarrow up to all the youth who were there and looking at me going, all right, what do you want? And I went, El Rocco's? <laughs> they, they, they fell on, on their behinds laughing at me. So you know what a blessing it is whenever you can speak in a common language. But as humanity is prone to do, the people of that day took what was good and sought to leverage it for their own self-serving gain. They said, come. Let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. In other words, come on, people, let's unify ourselves around ourselves. And they used brick instead of stone. I mean, stones would be too uneven, too, too unsightly to accomplish the wonderful task that they wanted to accomplish. And they did not just make your average, everyday, uh, air-dried bricks. Oh, no. They, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. You know, the kind of bricks you'd want to paint the Indianapolis 500 with, you know? Those kind of bricks. Bricks that would stand the test of time. And then they used tar for mortar. And you might go, tar? Why tar for mortar? Well, you know, let's use something that's waterproof. Just in case God goes back on his promise and sends another flood our way. 
Yes, the people were well on their way to building the kind of tower that would qualify as one of the great wonders of the world. The kind of thing that people would not only be drawn to, but the kind of, peop- kind of building that, that people would just want to be near all the time. And thus, my friends, the stage was set. The stage was set for major conflict. Scripture goes on to tell us that the Lord God came down to see the city, to see the tower that the men were building. You know, apparently it wasn't high enough yet. God still had to come down to see. And while it may have been impressive already from a human standpoint, God saw where all of this was leading. And God was not impressed. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And so you'd see the stage was set for God to intervene. And not because God wants humans to fail, but because humans are prone to fail. God knows that given their human nature, people tend to drift further and further and further away from him. People have a way of making themselves their own God. And so for the well-being of the people, God must intervene. And so God came down and he confused their language. And then the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. And that is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. You see, God does this to stop them from trying to be God because he knows that they will fail at being God. Because he knows that the more they go down this road, the further they will drift from him whom they so desperately need in their lives. And as a result, life is about to get even harder than it ever was before. I mean, all of a sudden, because of the different languages, there's going to be a lot of miscommunication and, and misunderstanding. There will be groups of people of one language over here who won't get along with another group of people of another language over here, and it's going to create conflict between them. It is also going to make it harder for people to not only talk about God, but to tell others about this good and gracious God. God's plan of salvation is made all the more difficult by confusing and scattering the people. And God knows this, but God does it anyway, because for the sake of the people, it was necessary. You see, God is teaching them in this moment that only he alone is God. And what is more, God knows that he can overcome anything. Indeed, with God, all things are possible. I mean, that is what the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is all about. That is what the resurrection of our Lord Jesus shows us. 
God can overcome sin. And when God overcomes sin, amazing things begin to happen. And that, my friends, is what Pentecost shows us. The Holy Spirit, promised by Jesus, has come. And here is where we now fast forward from the Old Testament into the New Testament to the book of Acts. You see, the Holy Spirit comes in order to undo this horrific sin that had plagued humanity since the days of the Tower of Babel. And God has come once again to intervene in the lives of people through the Holy Spirit. And he has come to bring the message of forgiveness and of restoration in Jesus Christ. You see, at that first Christian Pentecost, that is exactly what happened. Language is restored. It is a miracle not only of speaking, but a miracle of hearing. And God is not only bringing forgiveness, God is fulfilling forgiveness. This is his next step following the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those who were there, I mean representatives of the then known world of that day, They hear with their own ears, in their own languages, what God has done for them in and through Jesus Christ. And how God has now overcome all things, even the major conflicts that humanity has created. That is what Pentecost is all about. God is assuring us that he will overcome the ongoing differences between people so that the gospel can be shared. So that people can come to know the work of Jesus Christ, to know the one who overcomes sin, to know the one who has come to fulfill the promises that God has spoken. And this is the purpose of Pentecost. And when there is forgiveness, when that message is shared, God does some great things. Now this is where I want to go back to where I started with you. The miracle of Pentecost is a miracle worth seeing again. And dare I say again and again and again. I want you to think back to that first Christian Pentecost. You see, when all was said and done, at the end of Acts chapter 2, we read this. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. How awesome it would be if the miracle of Pentecost were produced in that way again and again. And not just today, but tomorrow and every day hereafter. What a blessing it would be if the Holy Christian Church here on earth would learn to communicate with others and speak to them with a message that reaches not only their ears, but down into their hearts. The saving message of Jesus Christ. Because you see, my friends, sin still plagues the world. We will never all get along. But we may well communicate because we share this same space here on earth. After all, we are all stuck together. 
God has created us to be in community with each other. And as followers of Jesus Christ, God has called you and me to reproduce the Pentecost miracle by speaking the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. So let's take this to the local stage. Let's bring this to the place where we live, our communities, our, our spheres of influence. Because you see, God is still all about pre producing and reproducing that miracle. And it all starts, first of all, with you and me. Realizing that we are all guilty of the same sin as the people of the Tower of Babel. Oh, it may not be the building of a, of a great tower. But we all still have our own moments where we try to make ourselves to be God. When we place ourselves in, in God's seat. It happens every time that we live for ourselves. We put others down so as to elevate ourselves. It happens, happens every time we, we think that we're more important or the most important person on the planet. And every time we fall into that sin, get ready, my friends. The stage is set for a major conflict. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to come down and, and confuse our languages. I mean, that has already taken place. But God, through His Holy Spirit, will still overcome the effects of sin in us. And when He does... It means that sometimes there needs to be a tearing down of some of the, some of the towers that we have built uh, in our own lives. And I'm talking in, in a metaphorical sense, but yet they are towers nonetheless. And if you've ever gone through the process of deconstruction, you know, like when remodeling your house, you know that sometimes that process can be painful because it hurts to have our sin confronted. It hurts to be reminded that our sins of rebellion and disobedience arise up again and again against God. And it hurts to hear that our sin is no different than the people of the Tower of Babel. Yet it is true. So what can change us? Nothing other than the intervention of a loving God. Because when sin is undone, God does amazing things. Through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has restored you and me in an everlasting relationship with Him. In other words, through faith in Jesus, the miracle of Pentecost has taken place in you and in me. But let's understand, my friends, the miracle of Pentecost does not stop with us. I have to say, one of the very reasons why I was drawn into the full-time ministry of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ is because I wanted to see the miracle of Pentecost happen in the lives of others. But the fact is, you don't have to become a full-time church worker in order to be part of the miracle of Pentecost. If you're thinking about it and you want to have that conversation, I'll be more than happy to have that conversation with you. 
But understand, my friends, the miracle of Pentecost can happen before our very eyes. Simply consider this. Who are the people in your life who need to know what you know about God's mercy and grace in Jesus? Who are those whose lives would be forever changed if you were to have a gospel conversation with them? The stage is set, my friends. Not for a major conflict, but for the message of God's mercy and grace to be spoken into their lives and you may be the very one that God is calling to do that. And each and every day, if we have our eyes open and are attentive to it, we will begin to see more and more how the Holy Spirit opens doors in in our interactions with others to be able to have those kind of gospel conversations with them. And so I said it before and I will say it again. The miracle of Pentecost is a miracle worth seeing again. And I will say it again. But this time I would love it if you would say it with me. Would you please? The miracle of Pentecost is a miracle worth seeing again. And the stage is set. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, may it keep our hearts and our minds through our faith in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.